0: My soul will remain restless until it rests in you. These words confessed by St. Augustine have echoed across the centuries and remain a common thread to reverts and converts alike. These are the testimonies of those that have come to rest in the fullness of truth. This is Catholic Recon with your host, Eddie Trask.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Catholic Recon Testimonies from Reverts and Converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. And this week's guest is Greg, who I had a fantastic chat with last week. Was it last week, Greg? It was. <laughs> that's that's yeah. how fast these days go. And I'm not going to get into the specifics of the conversation because Greg's going to share his testimony. Greg, as I do with everyone, um, why don't you take us back to where you think this journey began where the where it's relevant (laughs) see if we can uh start there and go down the various paths together
0: sure so i am technically a cradle catholic born into a nominally catholic family in quebec in eastern canada uh And uh, I went to, uh, you know, I I was went to Catholic school, which is sort of different back home, certainly in the 80s, 70s and 80s. When I was growing up, they weren't private schools. Uh, They were more like public school with Catholic flavor. Um, So uh, but um, not involved in the church outside of school. Um, I was baptized. I went through First Communion. I went through uh, um, Sacrament of Reconciliation. And then I opted out at, uh, 11 or 12, I wasn't confirmed. Um, and I sort of at that point continued attending Catholic school, but, um, you know, functionally checked out on any relationship with Jesus or just even really a belief in God at that point. Um, I come from a fairly rough background. Uh, I'm the survivor of, uh, child sexual abuse and child trafficking, um, pretty deep end of, uh, of the pool stuff. Um, and that's very much intertwined into my sort of estrangement from the faith and ultimately my return to the faith, um, and the walkabout that I went on in between. So, uh, I'm not sure exactly where you want me to go with this? Because there's a lot of places. So like just a little bit of like, you know, some questions might be helpful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the first question that comes to mind is when you mention any type of abuse or trafficking, were you aware as, how do I put this? With such trauma, was it in the future that you were able to realize all of that versus being in the moment and saying, I am fully aware. You just shut down and years pass. You don't even know what's happening. If that, if that makes sense.
0: I think that there's an intuitive awareness, right. But it's not like, you know, it's kind of somatic in your body, intuitive, not a hyper awareness, like in terms of, you know, at the forefront where you can describe and explain things. So Um, I guess the best way to sort of describe the situation is um, so my sexual abuse began at the age of three and um, I wasn't fully aware of the depth of what was going on until like honestly 2017 when uh, which maybe we'll get to that maybe we won't but by the age of 20 uh, by the age of seven I was infected now I understand. At the time I didn't realize what was going on, but I was infected with my first STD at the age of seven. That was in the summer of 80. Um, no I idea. went through sur- corrective surgery in July of 1980. And um, that was the 16th. And by that August, um, there were a couple of really pivotal things in terms of my estrangement. That August was my first suicidal ideation and planning. I had turned eight by then, my birthday was on the 25th, so the surgery happened a week or so before my birthday, from seven to eight, and then at some point in, in the first half or middle of August, first suicidal ideation, and around the same time, maybe just before, maybe just after, I can remember very clearly being in uh, the spare bedroom of uh, our town home, and I can just, such like just nihilism at at such a young age and just miserable and i can remember asking jesus if you're real if you're out there give me a sign show me something and nothing crickets and i think that that's the month that i i checked out you know like i think i checked out on, I was so wrapped up in just, and it's more than sexual abuse. My family was involved in the trafficking. So there was a lot of lid keeping on. And the way that that was done was through physical and psychological abuse. For for um, years, I'm assuming? Just a better part of a decade.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. So,
0: um, so I was like, really like in a hell realm a lot of the time and completely scapegoated. Right now, the surgery at the time that I was like, this is, I guess, germane to the story is the surgery was explained to me as being this happened to you because you didn't wipe your butt and you have poor hygiene and so complete scapegoating right and and so like you believe your parents right you believe your parents and it was an HPV infection that led to growths that needed to be removed and this is not a hygienic issue HPV is an STD Um, I know this now, but at the time, so there was like, um, there was just like already internalized self-hatred and accepting of the scapegoating. So everything I got, I deserved, right? And there was no, there was no relief at all, whether it was school or whatever. There was kindness in my life in some ways, but there was certainly no evidence for a God, no evidence for a loving Christ at all. Right. So I checked out and, um, I continued going to school. Now that was before my, uh, sacrament of reconciliation, which is like, so right. First communion is, uh, seventh, uh, first grade and reconciliation was like third, I believe. And so I, I went through those things, but there was, we didn't go to church. There was no, there wasn't. I, I don't even think there was ever a rosary in my my home, okay. or certainly, you know, I don't even think there was a Bible. So I didn't grow up with any of that stuff, and I went to Catholic school, and I was a traumatized kid. So was I performing academically? Nope, right. And so all of the report cards were does not work up to potential, sure. distracted. So so my linkage is with. Catholicism or church where the school and I was getting beaten over poor performance and stuff. Right. So a further wedge between myself and the institution. Um, although I and wouldn't it, like realize that that's what was happening at the time. And most certainly a, a huge wedge between myself and God. Yeah.
1: And, and if I remember correctly, you said during that time, that, wasn't there a huge Catholic presence in that,
0: in that area? Uh, the tail I was at the tail end of it, like big okay. enough that there were two school boards, right? So there were right? There was the public school board that was secular. and then there was the Catholic school board, which was also public, but just run by a Catholic school board. got it, right? It yeah. wasn't all nuns and priests. it but I mean, it was like the property taxes funded it, right? So you just the parents decided. Are we putting our kids in Catholic school, or are we putting them in "quote unquote" public school? But they were both functionally public schools. Got the only it. difference was nominal religious education, occasional masses, and religious and some religious instruction. Got it. Okay. Um, but like not like a Catholic private school that you would see in America. It's very different. So so Quebec was very much culturally a Catholic place founded by Jesuits. Quebec was sort of explored and discovered, right? And at one point, uh, one of the most Catholic places on the planet, um, I'm told, and most Quebecers believe that during the Second World War, when they were looking at relocating the Vatican, if things went south, Quebec was going to be where the Vatican was relocated to just because of the huge amount of Catholic infrastructure. That all started to implode in the 50s and the 60s. I came up in the 70s and the 80s. I'm 51. So I'm the tail end of that. So the it was hollowed out. Clearly, my parents didn't go to church. My, you know, uh, it was already kind of gone. There was just the facade, the architecture, the culture, the, the cities are named after saints, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of church buildings. And uh, I was born at a hospital called Sacred Heart, right, run by nuns you know, and that's all gone now. So I was sort of like the last generation that was that. So it was a very, um, it, it, it was certainly the epigenetics and cultural, like is I'm Catholic. Like I come from a world that's, you know, where the soil is kind of like drenched with it, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But to you say know. you're Catholic at that point, given your disillusionment, did, did, if you were to say that, what would that have meant? Like, I'm Catholic, just just a word cultural, like,
0: it's just, I'm affirming that I believe in a religion or how, how would you view that? More like, I would say, I guess, like cultural peoplehood. And I didn't understand this until the walkabout. Like, I when I left the church, I, I spent time in 10 years deeply involved with Tibetan Buddhism. And then after that and why I'm in the States, I'm in Southern California is uh, I got very after I came back from Asia, disillusioned with Buddhism, um, I got involved with uh, Judaism and I spent married a Jew, converted multiple times, came to L.A. to do Jewish and um, went to a Jewish university, thought about becoming anyways. And, And now in hindsight, I can see the similarities in Judaism. There's a strong emphasis on peoplehood. This aspect of cultural Judaism, right? Like it's pedigree, it's all of these things, not necessarily about God. And so, I I would say that, like, as a Quebecer, for me, without really understanding it at the time, and now being able to see it, though, sort of a peoplehood Catholicism. Got it. Right. the 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 calendar revolved around right Christmas, Easter not necessarily the feast, but, you know, and I grew up very much in a culture where everything was closed on Sundays, right? Last generation, that all ended when I was in my late teens is when that kind of fell apart. But so like the rhythms of life were were Catholic. Got it. If that makes any sense. It does. It does. So you were talking about
1: things are not going well at school, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Um. So you're, I'm assuming... Maybe we go to your teen years. Sure. Um, What was that like? Did you, obviously you were having horrible thoughts as an eight-year-old. Yeah. Were those just getting worse as you entered your teenage years?
0: Sure. I was, so so yeah, I mean, I was handed, you know, sort of like amplified by choices my parents were making. But by the age of 14, uh, I was living on the streets. Um, pretty rough. Drugs, violence, all sorts of stuff. Um, and you know, had completely exited any sort of uh family situation, any sort of um Catholicism. It was far, far away, um from you know my heart and my mind. Even though, like, yeah, I mean, there were still churches and stuff around. Anyhow, um, and. That kind of I've always had a strong inclination towards um, I've never been a materialist. I've always been into the, quote unquote, spiritual or the religious. And so I think I caught a break. And this was a grace that God gave me is when everyone else was doing heroin and shooting up my drug of choice wound up being religion. So and there's some interesting intersections there um, in terms of street life. I came up at a time when, um, you know, I grew up in the hardcore punk rock scene, street kid scene, not the suburban stuff. You know, those of us that uh, it was all we had. It wasn't like a lifestyle choice. I lived on the street. Um, And there was a kind of convergence happening between uh, the Harry Krishna scene and punk rock. And there was this thing called Krishna Core that started. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You should talk to Keith Nestor about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: he a scene too. Yeah. Um,
0: and, and, and I know you know him. Uh, anyhow. So yeah, so that was kind of like my gateway into this has nothing to do with the nene of my Catholic upbringing. And so that was sort of like we've got the punk rock dovetailing into the metaphysical. right. So that was my introduction and the beginning of what I would call my like 20 plus years of spiritual bypassing. And that's a five hour conversation. But I went through that, got involved in Buddhism, got very involved in Tibetan Buddhism, which uh, the Karma, there are multiple schools out of Tibetan Buddhism. There are four big ones. And I was involved with with what is called Karma Kagyu Buddhism. It's known as the mishap lineage and uh, very much crazy stuff, which I didn't see it at the time, but that was my draw was lots of like the stories of the yogis and the violence and the black magic and them, you know, not the Buddhist practice, black magic, but this insanity and lots of craziness, you know, in dealing, like they call themselves mishap yogis. Right. And I was very much like my life was one mishap after another mishap after. And that's why it was so appealing. Right. And the yogi bit, meaning like, you know, sort of like turning it into spiritual path. Right. So I got into that and uh, I got very involved with Tibetan Buddhism for the better part of a decade. Uh, wound up being a monastic in the Kagyu tradition. What does that look like? If you can open
1: that up a little bit. <sighs>
0: well, you know, um, lots of, uh, you know, uh, lived in a monastery. Um, was very fortunate to have an extremely now fam- famous, famous, famous Buddhist teacher. Um, and before she was so famous. Um, anyhow lots of meditation, um, lots of stuff around Tantra. Um, so the whole idea behind Vajrayana, which is Tibetan Buddhism is, uh, you don't reject anything, right? It's all part of the path, including like the manure and the violence and the aggression, right? Of what they call samsara, but in Catholic parlance, we just say fallenness. So you don't reject any of it, which m- I was surrounded by misery. So, it was extremely appealing to me to not have to reject it, but lean into it and see it as being like the manure and fertile ground for awakening. Right. Oh, wow. If that makes any sense.
1: I think it does. Yeah. Um,
0: But a lot of broken and dysfunctional people. And uh, as with most Western traditions that make their way, uh, sorry, Eastern traditions that make their way West, right. Roots had not been settled. So you have a lot of uh, people in leadership that are pretty messed up. So it all kind of starts to fall apart and addiction creeps in and teachers are sleeping with students and, you know, just, it it wound up being a nightmare. And after about a a decade or so of that, I just thought, oh no, this is just horribly broken and messed up.
1: Wow. So I do have to ask a question when you say monastic, um, Do these people have full-time jobs, and then they retire to these areas? I don't. I know nothing about right. it.
0: Okay, so there are multiple streams, just like in Catholicism, right? There are householders, okay. and then there are monastics. Yep. Right, and so in the broader community, there are both. So I was not a. I was not. A, I would, took temporary ordination. So I was a, a a monk for a set period of time. Got it. And most of my time, I was out in the world, but but I did did spend a fair amount of time, uh, at Gampo Abbey, the, the monastery. Um, but so m- most of the teachers I dealt with, the Rinpoche's, especially uh, Kagyu and Nyingma tradition, householders, not monks, not like the Dalai Lama, um, at all, very much like a whole, this crazy wisdom vibe okay. where there's drinking and smoking and it's all part of the path, you know, lots of free, like, I mean, and but this is coming out of the 70s and the 80s, right? Dealing with that whole sexual liberation energy. So that was just kind of sort of like got imported in and and just incorporated into stuff. Horrible idea, horrible idea. A lot of fun at the time until the damage and the casualties, you know, started popping up. But I mean, as a young person that came from dysfunction, it was um, extremely exciting.
1: Yeah, it would be like an organic transition into, yep.
0: yeah, you, you were
1: saying you were not a materialist and you right. have a spiritual concept, but there's still some chaos, still some dysfunction.
0: Yep. Yeah. Lots of play and also room for uh the trauma to play out. And I didn't understand that at the time, right? And there's no rejecting of it, right? There was no rejecting of it. So that kind of faded away i went and spent a year in asia and when i came back from that i uh got really just i was completely disillusioned and uh, so uh wound up finishing college and i wound up working and uh at a college and i met a girl who was a jew and she was like if you're gonna date me you're gonna need to learn about judaism and so i said okay and I, i grabbed a couple hasidic books on god and that relationship did not last, but those books changed my life. I have been able to relate to Christ as a rabbi or even kind of at phases as kind of like the Buddha an enlightened teacher. But just in terms of icon, in terms of meaning, this whole idea of the cross and the crucifixion, you know, and, it was so unaccessible to me. Um, so and I guess I was never able to separate God from that until I got to the Hasidic stuff. And then I had an access point where I could start to have a exploration of God with no need to deal with the dude up on the cross. Oh, right. Oh, okay. So I was like, okay, great. This is great. I get God and I don't have to deal with Jesus if that makes any sense that does yeah so i converted in canada met an american through organizations that i was involved with did long distance dating but and there's a huge spiritual bypassing component in here because both of those things was me trying to get the buddhism and the judaism there's an underlying current of me hating myself and trying to reinvent myself and kill the broken person that gave himself the didn't wipe his butt right like wow. that person let's or erase that person right and so you can't
1: have the incarnation like you're saying you can't deal with, with with the cross you can't have the incarnation if you're trying to do what you're talking about right yeah. spiritual
0: bypassing complete trauma response complete trauma response so um so moved here got engaged moved here married an american jew came to la specifically to do judaism uh got into the, the the Juberhood as quickly as I could, you know, became extremely observant, orthopraxic, but progressive. Okay. And um, started to cultivate a relationship with God or trying to, but mostly reinventing myself, right? Abandoning my family, av- abandoning my country of origin, r- taking on a Jewish name, taking on Jewish cultural customs, right? Jewish dress jewish observance so that's why i say orthopraxic was i will do these things because these are things that the broken you know traumatized not understanding that that's what was happening at the time but that's what i was doing yeah it was very much a trauma response very much classical like spiritual bypassing drug of choice and um and so i did that for the better part of a decade and then I started having flashbacks around abuse. And I, I had always known about the tip of the iceberg of the abuse. Uh, three particular incidents, a lot of stuff. Like I said, the surgery, the STD, had blocked that out by that point. But in 2014-ish, there were two TV shows. Um, there was The Americans, which was about Russian spies in America in the 80s with, uh, that had a family. They were like a plant fan. Like, you know, I don't know if you remember this show but the set and children and the music and the clothing and the haircuts all stuff from my youth and i started like it started triggering memories right Whoa. and then a little bit later i only watched the first season but uh um the stranger things right also set at the time where my stuff was falling apart in the 80s 80s yeah and you've got the music, you've got the set pieces, you've got the clothing, you've got the haircut you've got kids. So it started just popping up. Like all I was, I started having like really intense flashbacks about the stuff. I remembered winding up in the ER needing Valium drips and just like losing my crap. And so in December of, well, in the fall of 2015, my now ex-wife and I decided to fly back to Canada to file criminal complaints against, uh, in three jurisdictions against three sets of people. And at this point, I knew a fraction of what was going on in terms of the trafficking. My mother was playing dumb, got involved helping, quote unquote, Um, and so I flew back to Canada and um, spent nine weeks there filing complaints, was you know which led to three criminal investigations uh one person being charged okay um and so then almost a year to the day later so i we flew out on on december 25th 2015 and we flew into ottawa from la and on the 23rd of 2016 um Things were rolling around with the investigations. I wasn't remembering more stuff. I was in a good place. And I decided to, uh, I don't know if I should say this, but I will. Um, So I wound up going, all right, I'm going to do a healing ceremony. Live in LA, right? So um, five grams of high grade psilocybin. And um, when I was coming down, I got hit by, I asked it, I asked a question. I said, like, why why would this happen to me? And it was because you could handle it. It, it, it is the message that I got. And, um, uh, and then it's, and by the way, there's a lot more in your father's involved. And I got oh. hit with a tunnel of light where there was lots of abuse flying by me, but I didn't know what it was.
1: Okay. And I
0: can remember my wife coming out and I was trying to tell her there's more, there's more. And she's like, you're just tripping. Just relax. Anyways, that was on the 23rd of December, 2016 by the first week of January, I remembered the surgery. And um, I was like, Oh, this is not right. My butt, this is this is surgery on my butt. And so I confronted my mother over that I called her up and I said, Why don't you tell me a little bit about the surgery? And she lost her stuff, like uh, lost it. At which point I was like, Oh, this is not good. Because like, you know we went from like i can remember them sitting me down and saying you did this to yourself you don't wipe your butt this is why this happened that story was gone her voice went up like a kajillion octaves oh, man. just her tail and she sounded like a five-year-old and so you i now i know you've seen the redacted version of the pathology report um so fortunately or unfortunately Um, I was the hospital that I was treated at and there's this is a whole can of worms that we probably can't get into but they're a teaching hospital so the medical records are never destroyed they're never put away they're kept forever and ever and ever so when I was like I'm calling Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario in Ottawa and I'm like I need my records this happened and I need you all to explain it to me so by February I had 200, and there's a lot more stuff that I haven't even gotten into on Twitter yet about the story. There's more, but I received about 200 pages worth of medical records and Child Protective Services records, all sorts of stuff I blocked out. Nightmare, nightmare, like nightmare, movie level nightmare stuff. And what became very clear because I had half a dozen doctors, including people at um, Theater Sinai, In Beverly Hills look at documentation they're like this is HPV this is an STD there's only one way this happens to you yeah and at which point it became I still I started piecing together more and more of it there were three trips taken to Europe and the states and like it just it gets Uh, crazy how how were you
1: how were you dealing with learning all of this
0: at one? Not at all at once, but a lot of high yeah. grade LA weed.
1: Really? Okay. Yeah. You so know, you're making all these numbing out in every situation.
0: single possible way,
1: and you're like, "How but, the heck am I gonna?" Right. Stay still, numb, or yeah.
0: Just trying to process it, I'm not equipped to process this stuff. And I was mad and revenge and did it, did it, did and still working. And now there's there's a man that's been charged. There's two trials set up, right, and I'm going, Oh, there's way more happening here. And they're involved. And my mother's a witness in this trial. Stuff's gonna go south anyways. So now a lot I could get into, but what brings it to the reversion story is I found out in February of 2017, I got the pathology reports, the medical report, all of the stuff. And by June of that year, I was such a hot mess that I needed to, um, I didn't need to, I went in voluntarily, but I, need, I needed to go into a trauma unit. And this is where the reversion starts. I'm a Jew. I'm married to a Jew. I'm living the life as a Jew, right? When all of this is happening. So um, I get referred to a hospital called uh, NTC, the National Trauma Center run by a former, a guy from Canada who now lives in Austin, a psychiatrist, his name is Colin Ross. And I did not know any of this when I went there, but his area of specialty is satanic ritual abuse and disassociative identity disorder and sort of where the two mix. Okay. Um, and so I wound up spending three months in that, uh, in that trauma unit surrounded by, I have no, there's no SRA in my life, which is uh, the, abbreviated form of satanic ritual abuse. But I was around female survivors that had undergone severe or claimed to have undergone severe SRA and were suffering from horrible DID, disassociative identity. We're talking some of these women had 20 and 30 alternate personalities. Oh, that's what you mean by DID. Okay, got it right. What used to be called multiple personality is now referred to as disassociative identity disorder. And there's a connection between trauma-based mind control and SRA and DID. Is it? Um, is, it
1: now, you, is it you? Is it? I mean, in short, are you your brain is just trying to escape, and it creates these alternate yeah, realities.
0: You just you fragment your personality in order to get out of it, and so you have these completely disintegrated personalities that oh take my shape. Gosh. Yeah. And so, um, anyways, and I went in there not believing in the devil because I'm a Jew, right? It's, there's no Christian devil in Judaism. It's very different. And certainly while I was orthopraxic, I was fairly progressive. And I would say that I was not a materialist, but I was like, you know, like devil is archetype. Sure, no problem. Yeah. Okay. But SRA, no delusion, crazy stuff. I grew up with Geraldo and the Satanic Panic talk show stuff. So like it's like Satanic panic. So but I spent three months there. And by the time I left, there's no way all these people were making everything up. It was impossible, in my opinion, that all like just the stuff that I saw there and and the way that Colin Ross could like just puppet master, pull personalities out and the stories and the levels of self-injurious behavior that these women would, just the damage that they would do to themselves when certain personalities would kick in. Um, I left their is real at least some of the time, no question about it, um, and the devil's real. The devil's real. So not only is the devil real, but I started looking at the evil and the vileness in my life and I'm going, oh, I had a target on my back and I'm like, no satanic stuff but the devil targets the youth i mean one peter five eight right i'm like the devil's real so i started crawling my way back to christ that well to the church because i was trying to outrun the devil so the way that sort of played out and that was so that would have been october of 2017 sorry yeah october november 2017 and um Within a month of being out of the hospital, I'm separated. I'm shacked up with one of the DID ladies from the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I relocate out of LA to Santa Clarita, which is where I am now. And um, I started crawling my way back. I would I, And the way I sort of did it psychologically was first, well, devil's real. God's real and the christian devil is real it's not like some just adversary right fallen angels it all starts to make sense then christ up on the cross makes a lot more sense right the psychological malfunction or blockage that kept me from seeing christ as anything other than like the buddha type figure giving the sermon on the mound right the beatitudes It's like, oh, now coming down, incarnated, being the sacrifice, dying on the cross, being resurrected, it all made sense, right? Like in a visceral first person, direct experience kind of way, not like a theological proposition, like reality. Wow. (laughs) And it was horrifying. It was horrifying because every, so in the span from 2017 to 2018, right? I, I, I completely found out that my life was a lie. Like my childhood was a lie that I had been trafficked in horrible ways and things had been done. I lost the only stable relationship of my life. I lost the last 10 years of stability as a Jew, if you can call it that. The self-medicating stopped working, right? in terms of the Judaism. And um, and as an only child, I found out that my parents were the primary actors in my sexual abuse and trafficking. Right? I So in a very Job sort of way. Everything's taken, yeah. Everything is taken away. So I came out, I, I was in a relationship with, of um, insanity and all I know is crazy and insanity and I'm running with it and there's fun, you know, there's fun to it. Um, but I'm trying to work it out and I get hooked up with, I call a priest here locally and I explain my situation. He's like, well, you're not possessed because I wanted to rule it out. You know, you wouldn't be calling me, but it sounds like oppression. And he hooked me up with some people and that got me involved in some conversations around deliverance ministry.
1: I have okay. to ask you this. What? Why a priest? Why did that come to your mind? You because just
0: thought of like, well, right, about... like muscle memory. Okay, thank. And, you. And, and yeah, 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 Like, who? And, and like, I mean, growing up, like, living in Hollywood, uh, growing up with movies. Who do you call? Oh. Demonic, like, right? Yeah. Problems. Yep. Yeah. Call a priest.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Well,
1: I still I still I've said this before, but I'll continue to say it so many, so many anti-Catholic claims where they're they're talking about the demonic and I'm like, who do you call when you want exorcism? What do you think these men do that have been given an indelible grace um anyway, go ahead
0: so and that's how that happened and I'm trying to work it out and so I got involved with some stuff. And, and there's a lot of details, but we're getting tight on time. So um, what I'll say is like, so I'm like, the the one connection that got made during this that became really clear was there's a reason that I wasn't confirmed at the age of 11 or 12. And my view of it is, is I, I got hardcore one Peter five, eight, you know, into not, you know, just all of the... Devil wanted me far away. Devil did not want the blessings and the gifts of the Holy Spirit descending upon me. And so the causes and conditions and the cards were stacked for a particular direction. And I bit the hook. Right. And I wasn't confirmed. And this became absolutely confirmed a little bit later because I... I finally got out of that relationship with the woman and, um, decided a couple months later got out of the bad habits, a lot of the bad habits around psychedelics and whatnot, because I went pretty deep in for the last, the, uh, there was a couple year period of time and i was like, all right, I need to get at that point. It was just course correction. I need to get confirmed. He didn't want me to get confirmed. I need to get confirmed. So I found a confirmation program out here in Santa Clarita and I got enrolled in it. And I like, I mean, and the devil messed with me during the process within three weeks of me being in that class, it turns out that the house I was running a room from was actually foreclosed. It was a squat. The woman didn't own it. And I wound up like being, we all got kicked out by, um, the sheriff's department, eviction notices. So I wound up being homeless. Well, I mean, not on the street homeless, crack motel homeless. Oh, wow. Which is not great, right? But to the credit of the woman who ran the program, who became my confirmation sponsor and is like, I mean, my godmother at this point, she made sure that, and this was on the upside, we're doing zo- It's Zoom because it, this is during COVID. So... I was able to attend classes. I missed stuff. She got me to and from. She made sure I didn't disappear, you know, and so I made it through that and I wound up getting confirmed in um, Easter of 2021, just a couple years ago. And I expected it to be just a ceremony and not much to it. And I wasn't looking forward to it because it's a huge parish. There were a gazillion kids on top of the adult confirmation people. And I was dreading it. And I went in and it turns out I was the very first person to be confirmed. Just the way it worked out. So I went up, I did the show and I was done with the show part within 10 minutes. And I came back down and I sat in the chair and all of the, like the pressure of performing disappeared. And I, I did not have the vocabulary to describe what was happening to me at the time. But what I experienced was like straight up baptism in the Holy spirit. Okay. I was crying for the next 70 minutes straight. I was not expecting any of this. full range of emotions. I could feel this just loved raining down on me. Wow! Right. And I'm not that guy. I'm so not that guy. And I just cried and it was super hyper emotional for me. And it took another year for me to sort of figure out. Uh, you know, uh, close to a year. I'm like, I came across a book and I'm reading about it and they're describing baptism in the Holy spirit. And I'm like, Oh, this is exactly what happened to me. Like this lines up. And I mean, the catechette, it's SoCal, it's a suburban parish. We didn't go into the gifts coming down and all of the theological mystical aspects of what supposed to happen during confirmation and how it's the conclusion spiritually of what starts with baptism so i didn't know that's what was happening but it was like very much very much baptism in the holy spirit and i was home wow right and there were challenges after that but that's what led to the reversion uh, or the conclusion of the reversion. And certainly there have been, I would say, demonic entanglements at the level of oppression, you know, um, that led into that, like I said, the homelessness and more. I know yep. there's more stuff, but um, that's what brought me back. And so it's been just sort of like clearing out the debris and figuring out what it means to live authentically as a Catholic um but i guess the important point for me is i had if had i have not gone to ntc that trauma center had i not have been with those people that were survivors of sra none of this would have happened i'd probably be dead now or um, i would have
1: murdered somebody
0: be- believable
1: you, so you're saying because in in that it's not a ward, right? In that unit, right? Unit. Um, call it whatever, whatever you want, right? Yeah. Um, you saw evil from a different
0: perspective, and 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 well, the I, Christian narrative played yeah. out as being true, not like a rash, like not an argument, right? Not yeah. like apologetics, not theological framing i saw the God. fall out of the devil messing with people yeah. Yeah. and i began to be able to unpack that and see how i was also a victim in a, a much lighter way compared to these people no well, it's funny
1: the gentleman i just interviewed last week you know when he described when he, he looked up and he just he, It was pitch black. The way he was describing that, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I've heard other people say they saw how dark it could be. This wasn't his story because you remember he said the psychedelics actually led to him seeing color. Yeah. (laughs) And then he came out of it. But anyway, I've heard a number of people say that. Why I came to the faith. I was atheist. I saw how dark things are. I saw how evil things are. And I knew intuitively there was a counterpoint to what I just witnessed. And I just
0: sense that when you say that, I'm like, oh, my goodness. The the counterpoint is Christ's incarnation, his suffering and his crucifixion and his resurrection. Right. It's it's not like a compelling argument in the abstract.
1: Yep genesis 3 15
0: visceral lived experience and it is horrifying it was horrifying and terrifying
1: yeah
0: horrifying and terrifying but that was ultimately what brought it back and it's interesting that god can use any evil for his good and his plan and that is really played itself out in my life. Well, has begun to it. No, it has played itself out in my life. Well, you can say
1: redemptive suffering and not say, well, it's all finished. You are looking no. out redemptive exactly.
0: suffering. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, things are still unfolding, but most certainly just in terms of the ministries that I'm involved with and the reign of blessings that have come in my way over the last year, everything I do is trauma meets the cross. Okay, everything I do is trauma meets the cross. I only really relate to and I'm comfortable around other abused pitbulls. Okay, right, like myself, I'm never like I'm 51. I'm not going to be a normal dude. Like, and I'm not like, I mean, what brings me to Christ, and what brought me back into the fold of the Catholic Church is outlier stuff. I'm sure. not, it's not, I'm not special i it just doesn't happen a lot. You know, it, it doesn't happen a lot. Most of the people who hear my story, if they haven't walked a mile or anything near to my shoes, right they're normally it's a hard pill to swallow. Got the it. thing that I have going for me or else people would think, oh, he's delusional is I'm so well-documented. You can't argue with the pathology report. Yeah. Yep. You can't like and, and a ton of other stuff. Yep. Right. Like I j- just I'm too well documented to be put into the like QAnon conspiracy, crazy, like sort of bucket.
1: I was going to talk to you about that with the sound of freedom. It's like, here's a story about how real trafficking is. And to <laughs> pin an actor in the movie as, you know, QAnon adjacent film because of an actor, it's the most ridiculous pile of crap i've ever heard in my life in okay, an effort be- in an effort to stifle the most heinous
0: garbage that's going on there's i want to be more charitable and say that there's a cognitive dissonance and it is so evil that people like yes there are people that are doing exactly what you're saying but the average joe and jane it can't be real it can't be this bad I meant the reviews.
1: I meant the reviews that uh, specifically tried to to diminish diminish the. And, um,
0: and Rolling Stone. And that's kind of what made that post where I like why I, I posted the anniversary about the surgery was because those two articles pissed me off. Yeah. And what I did was as soon as I saw them, I went and said, yeah, fictitious, here's something from 1980. Here's a pathology report. And I just posted it, you know? tell me tell me i'm making it up right tell me this is just conspiracy theory yeah
1: and it, and that's what's so important to talk about it because what i'm getting from you you can talk about this okay what you're doing is bringing things into the light right yes, sir the unspeakable things brought to the light in an effort to shine yep.
0: light for other people. God has a plan. I can't be discredited as merely crazy. I could I mean, be 50% wrong. But I'm definitely 50% right. Yeah. I have the receipts. Yeah, no,
1: it's it's absolutely important. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about it. I mean, um, the other thing that is important with redemptive suffering is... And I've interviewed a few people like this. They're able to go back, talk about something that is traumatic without staying in that place. You're again, I have to say it, you know, shining light without saying I am a walking, I'm a perpetual victim. You can talk about the trauma and then say, I'm using this to go help other other people, other brothers and sisters, others that are disillusioned. And you. I think you talked to me about that uh not just hey let me go find other pseudo catholics you're dealing with every per- as you said trauma meeting the cross you want people to find the cross you're yeah, not you're not approaching saying here's why the catholic church is true you're saying let's talk about christ and his love for
0: you right Is that the message? It is very much the message. And it's not that I don't think the church is true. It's like, it is the fullness. Yep. Okay. It's steps, steps. Right. But absolutely. For people, there are so, why would you trust God if you were molested by your grandfather, your father, your mother, whoever? And I, you know, cannot in good conscience personally be like, no, you've got to do it the way I'm doing it. I just want people to understand it. The profundity of your suffering, right, is evidence that evil is real. And that evil, right, the resolution, the way through it is to be what you can't get around it, but Christ will walk you through it. And that tweet that went viral, 250,000 or whatever it is, impressions, um is Christ is an option. I just want, like, he was not an option for me, right? In terms of, of course, he's always an option, but the participatory part on my end to be able to see it as an option was not there until I was in the thick of understanding the depravity and the truth of fallenness, right? And that could make you go nuts and just go complete nihilism and revenge or self-termination. And these are things I struggle with. But it's also a vehicle, like it's a doorway into Christ. Because all of a sudden, if you've tasted the devil and what he can do, then Christ on the cross starts to make sense. and, and, And Christ ceases to just be like a rabbi. You know, a dude with some cool beatitudes.
1: Yep. And when you receive grace and you open your heart to him. You know how you were saying when you called out, when you cried out uh, when you were seven or eight yeah. and you didn't get a response. Well, now I think back, you know, he said 70 minutes or whatever it was of crying decades later.
0: That was the resolution
1: resolution of.
0: Yeah, Absolutely beautiful
1: now in the remaining minutes is there anything else you want to say about what you do and i mean i think we covered it but if there's anything else you can talk about there and and the the importance of evangelization uh for any (laughs) anyone that is called to bring people or to have people how do i put it you help people open their eyes to 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 that's
0: the hope yeah, and yeah, certainly like in the small mission field that I inhabit right now, and I am involved in like I, with several ministries here locally um, around stuff is I'm trying to bring a sensitivity and an understanding. I'm able to articulate things that a lot of people can't just because of the experience right? I have eyes to see things that some other people can't. And there's a legitimacy. When a person hears my story, it's not me, like, you know, if they have a similar story, right? Walls go down, right? Because it's, I'm not talking at them, right? Yep. We have a shared lived experience yep. around child trafficking or incest, whatever the case may whatever be. Whatever it is, yep. Right? So um, I'm kind of entering the phase of, uh, like, I'm at a transitional period right now where I believe like I'm fully coming back into the fold of the church. Um and there's more to be said about that, but we're now my healing is not complete, but I'm at a place where I've done enough healing and I think God is now opening up doors where um it's gonna be more helping other people. It it, it has started, but it's going to go more in that direction. Yeah. right so um the one thing i do want to say that in terms of my own healing that has been in in, in terms of a catholic context and other people's mileage will vary with this is the thing that has changed my life the most in terms of praxis or devotion is the divine mercy um and i just want to say like if you're struggling with any of the stuff that i've struggled with Read up and consider the Divine Mercy devotion, the chaplet, because um, it has a real healing quality. It's very much about suffering and grace and finding it. And just the chaplet, to be able to kick back and say, like, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world, Right. There's a, dis- a, a dissolving of boundary between self and other. So the us is like good guys, the white hats, the me, the people like me and the others also includes the abusers, yep. the molesters, wow. the people who stood back. Wow. Right? And so there's a really powerful transformational and maybe this is like a bit of a Buddhist hangover. I don't know, right? Like in terms of the th- this component of working with Not rejecting anything and bringing it all into the healing, but the divine mercy has been completely life transforming for me. I would not still be, I would have probably bailed and gone either like completely lapsed or Protestant if it wasn't for the divine mercy as a devotion that keeps me grounded and centered and has been the most healing well
1: you nailed it you absolutely nailed it so you're you're thinking of your enemies but you're also praying for others enemies so it's that communal aspect we cannot forget that because we have been all of us have been enemies of other people yep and if you've said that you're too you know that someone is too far gone well then how are you not too far gone we have to pray for everyone. That is a Christian, I mean, clearly the core of the Christian message is, you know, you love
0: those who love you. Okay. <laughs> and I, I understand that there are people who are skeptical of Faustina and the devotion, but I will say from personal experience, it has healed me more than anything else in terms of um you know prayer sure like I I, I don't want to like I I don't want to like say that this is more important than like Eucharist or confession which it's an integrated sort of thing and they all kind of play off each other and reinforce uh, but in terms of my heart softening and um letting go of some of like just the depraved um aggression and hatred because I have every reason to want people dead right this has been a such a transformative thing for me.
1: Well, yeah, I was. You, you said that as well. That a devotion that that did something very remarkable for someone, in no way takes away from any of the sacraments. Yeah, if anything, it heightens the sacraments yeah. because you it's realize that everything
0: they kind of play off each other. They work together. All the devotions,
1: and again, people that worry about what should I do? You know, I'm I'm new to the Catholic faith. What should I do? Should I do this devote? I'm like, let the Holy Spirit guide you. Yep, the Lord. Has provided such a depth to the church that yep. just open your heart and be led. <laughs> it's, it's what I say instead of worrying about. Well, it worked for him. Maybe this is my ticket. It's like just relax, just pray, and open your heart, and and you'll you'll find that that specific thing that the that the Lord wants you to pursue. So, um, wow, Greg. Fantastic, brother. Fantastic. I appreciate it to say that you're courageous is an understatement and anyone else that is willing to be out there, um, be willing to discern, be willing to, like I said to uh gentleman last week, I'm sorry, all these names are blurring. I know, I can right
0: The, the ex-Satanist dude, who was great, by the way.
1: Yes, uh, David. Um, Is the transparency that we need. Absolutely. That's, that's so fundamental to a testimony. It's like, open up, share it. Other people, they jump on, they, they often say thank you for just being willing to speak. So again, kudos to you and um, everyone that's watching, please share, subscribe, all the other things. And please pray for everyone that was mentioned um, during this. And those that you think of in your lives that are, that you would call enemies, we are called to pray for all of them. And until next time, take care and God bless.
0: We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Catholic Recon. Please feel free to leave a comment and remember to subscribe to the show wherever you listen. To find out more about Eddie Trask, go to www.eddytrask.com. May God bless you.